Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Excellent! With your host, Brad Allen. Well, isn't that extra special? Recorded live at Bay Area Studios. Join Brett each week as he interviews celebrities, influencers, authors, high-level entrepreneurs, and much more. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Giddy up. And you never know who may stop by. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the podcast. Well, we are just days away from New Year's Eve. And on the show today, we have the funny and iconic improviser, Brad Sherwood. Most of you know him from Whose Line Is It Anyway? But he's done a lot of other things as well. And we have a fun conversation about the art of improv, uh, comedy, and just really premises. Just some kind of nuts and bolts, a mini masterclass of sorts of kind of what it is that he does. And uh, yeah, he was the absolute best. I'm excited for you to check out this conversation. Brad Sherwood, welcome into the podcast, my friend. It's good to have you here today. It's great to be here. It's really great to be talking to any human being, really, stuck in my house. Yeah, and and for those who are listening and they can't, we can see each other. And he has this very illustrious gold gilded background with a fireplace and a tub. (laughs) That's one of the best Zoom backgrounds I've seen so far in this whole run. Well, thank you. I'm very proud of it. Uh, it's my actual house. Uh, I, like I said, when we were talking before the podcast, uh, I've had this, you know, basically gild, gold leaf gilded uh, bathtub in my garage for, you know, so many years, and I've just never had the time to put it in. And, uh, you know, what with COVID, I'm stuck in the house. So I finally put it here in my, my den. I didn't want to put it in our regular bathroom because I wanted people to be able to see it. So, you know, I have a cognac, sit by the fire, uh, read War and Peace in my tub. And, you know, sometimes I invite people over. Well, eventually, (laughs) you know, right now, no one can even complain that I'm in my tub in my den slash library. Yeah, I mean, you could have done the interview in the tub. I mean, if you wanted to be really relaxed. (laughs) Yes, I could have done that. uh, But I haven't figured the technology out to actually uh, bathe in a green screen background. Damn it, this whole thing has fallen apart. (laughs) Oh, my ruse has been destroyed. Oh, well. Mm. That's okay. We're happy to have you. Thank you, especially this close to the holidays. We just wrapped up Christmas. Now we're headed into the new year. How were the holidays for you, Um, especially this time of year with everything just being so different than what it has normally been in the past? Yeah, I mean, we don't do, my wife and I tend to not do too much on the holidays and we're not like gift holiday people. We just sort of give each other gifts throughout the year instead of cram it into the desperate, uh, busiest time of the year. I think the only difference uh, this holiday from any other one is I've just had more Amazon delivery people at my door for the last two weeks nonstop. Uh, That's it, because we've done pretty much all of our shopping online for us and for friends and things like that. But yeah, other than that, it's been uh, pretty chill. We let yeah. we had a little snack basket. We had to get we put a snack basket with water, you know, beverages and and snacks out by by our door in our courtyard so that delivery people all day long can grab something, you know. It's uh it, it, I mean, it's not terribly generous, but it's like it puts you on their side. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> there you go. Hey, no, I think at the end great. of the day, I'm the I'm the place that you've been a couple times that you don't like loft my new chandelier box 
off the back of your truck. I don't know. <laughs> if I can get that one advantage, uh, plus having the courtyard open sort of dissuades actual porch pirates from coming into our house area. That's a good idea. I recommend idea. it for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea, to be honest, because especially if you have a lot of things being delivered and they yeah. know who you are, so to speak, I guess I'm sure they do. They put two and two together. You want to definitely have the upper hand so they don't start tossing things uh, onto your porch. It's funny, my my roommate, my landlord during the summer, she'll put out a chest of ice and bottled water for the male people and the packages people to That's come grab. Great. That's super. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Especially this time of year. I mean, you know, they're the ones that are getting all of these lovely things to us on time and <laughs> efficiently. Yeah. I think that makes great sense. Well, you guys are doing something really cool. You and your counterpart, Colin Mockery, we had him on a couple months ago. And at the time you guys had started these Zoom shows, these Zoom performances, Stream of Consciousness, Scared Scriptless. And I was able to participate in one of them on my birthday back in August. So it was a lot of fun what you guys are doing. Just to kind of fill our listeners in a little bit on an update, you guys are getting ready to do more of these shows after the first of the year, correct? Is that still the plan? Yeah, I think we've got uh, three so far scheduled in January. Plus, we're doing a special New Year's Eve show this week. And uh, it's been going great. I think we've, uh, you know, we've really hit our stride. The early days of it, we were still trying to wrestle with the technology and figure it out. And now we're totally comfortable with it. And we've kind of tweaked the show so that it, the running order is is really fun. And the interactivity with the audience, uh, I think we've sort of maximized that. And we do a we do a Q&A at the end of the show. I don't know if we were doing that when you came to see it or not, but we've-, we've um, I don't think too. so. I think actually- Ironically, that was one of the nights where there might have been some technical issues, but it was great because if you haven't seen the live show, which again, I've seen because you guys have come to the Bay Area and it's just fun to get that Whose Line experience live because you just can't beat live entertainment because the show, I mean, goodness, has just really stood the test of time and it's just it's popular. I can watch it with my kid most of the time. He's six. It's just a lot of fun to watch you guys do all these wild and crazy things and this whole improv idea. I want to talk about a little bit more in just a minute, but stream of consciousness, you guys are doing a new year's show. You mentioned kind of in the beginning, it was a slow start and then you started to hit your stride. What has your experience been Brad with these shows as far as audience interaction, trying to do jokes and bits and getting them to land as far as, a zoom audience how have how has that progressed from when like you first started to now like the, what's the evolution of that been well the, i i think the evolution has been the hardest thing to do is do kind of a comedy show uh on a platform where you can't hear the audience you know we have very limited if we if we are certainly talking to one person at a time sort of in a their, their mics are open and we have them on camera and we're dealing with them. I mean, we can hear their reactions, but the rest of the crowd, because Zoom has an audio override, if somebody laughs really loud while we're doing a scene and their mic is open, it cuts out our audio to the rest of the audience. So we basically have to kind of, in a certain sense, it's kind of like flying at night on radar. Uh, you can't see where you're landing at all. It's foggy. Uh, so it, it's it's that's that's the biggest hurdle to overcome as a performer where you're used to timing 
your show, your comic instincts are you say something funny and then you wait for the laugh to crest. And as it's coming back down, uh, you, you continue on and it's sort of like trying to keep uh, like you're surfing the peaks of the waves almost for a lack of a better analogy as someone who doesn't surf. Uh, so that makes it really hard. The fun sort of interesting and challenging thing is we've created something that literally didn't exist before. Uh, it, this is basically, uh, you know, an interactive live streaming kind of, you know, it's improvised and it's a sketch show because it's not just the two of us on a zoom uh, meeting sitting in our living rooms, you know, we're, we've got green screens and we're actually interacting together for the people who haven't seen the show. Uh, so we're, we look like we're in the same place. We're not, it, it, you don't want, look like you're watching a zoom teleconference basically when you come <laughs> to our show, you know, we start off in our host mode at the beginning of the show, it looks like a teleconference, but then it goes into all the, the scenes and games that we're playing. Uh, so that innovation did not exist. The zoom platform was not meant to be used that way it was just to be a grid of people staring at their laptop talking in you know you know overriding each other as they speak and interrupt so that part has been kind of fun and I think we're sort of used to that because we always jokingly say uh, our job as paid professional live improvisers on stage in a theater that job did not exist before Whose Line came along. And still really the only people doing it are alumni of Whose Line that, that tour and kind of have the recognized faces to bring people in to see it, you know, to pay for tickets. So it's still a very finite group of people that do it. But this job, literally, no one was making a living, paying their bills, doing improv comedy, you know, pretty much at all. Yeah, you guys definitely set the standard for that. It's funny that you say that, Brad, because even going back to, I had Greg Proops on, he was first, and then Colin, and then yourself. And the theme, the golden thread in all of your stories is that you all look at your life so thankfully and go, I can't believe we actually get paid to do this, to to not just sit up there and tell jokes like a typical stand-up. No dig on them, because I love talking to comics as well, but I think improv is a different skill set, right? Would you say as far as like just straightforward comedy? Yeah, it, it's it's there. It's like two different ways of using the comic mind, really, uh, because stand-ups approach it like a writer who's writing a miniature story, and each story is sort of a joke, and then his whole act is a series of stories that make this one big story slash point of view slash way of looking at the world that makes people laugh. So they have to think about beginnings and ends and all that stuff. Whereas we're just literally flying by the seat of our pants. I, I've, I've made the analogy in the past that, you know, it's improv is more like a comedy martial art because you're just reacting to stuff that's coming at you. You can become, you know, you can become a champion judo uh, master, you know, win a gold medal in judo or karate or whatever. Uh, but really, you're not using it until you're in a street fight. Because when you're in a street fight, you don't know what someone's going to throw at you, because they're not another judo master who's bound by certain rules to do it exactly the way you're supposed to do it in combat. Uh, so it's yeah, imagine playing chess with someone that can move their knight in whatever fashion they want and take, you know, so that's kind of when you put martial arts into application. So 
this is the long-winded version of uh, oh, I love it. Improv is doing that. You, you don't know where the punches are coming from. You don't know where the story is going. The story is not going necessarily to a resolution in an improv. Hopefully, when you're skilled, you can get it there. But sometimes it ends just on a big laugh while there's chaos going on, you know? So you're just trying to tell a story nonstop, as funny as you can, from beginning to end. You're not working towards one big blow you know, some standups, literally, they'll talk for five minutes with not too much laughter. They're just making some observational comments, but it's getting to some big section where all of a sudden they're firing stuff at you about the funny thing that finally happened. You really can't do that in an improv show. You kind of have to have funny stuff happening all the time because A, you're making it up and B, you don't know that there's some big hilarious climax where the guy in the grocery store you know, started pouring a milkshake over his head and the police came, you know, like we, we don't have that. We don't have the ending to it. Oh my God, this is the great story for the end of my stand-up act, you know, because this person has crafted it, changed the words, done it over and over in front of an audience. And now he's perfected it and is taking it out to bigger crowds. We don't have that. Every night is just be as funny as you can. And and you can't even rest on your laurels. You say something funny in the scene. You don't know what the next line the other person is going to see. So every laugh is kind of like, oh, that was great. Now what? You know, you we, you live in the moment of now what at all times on stage when you're doing improv. And you have to probably be three or four steps ahead of somebody that you're sharing a stage with as well, I imagine. Because I've heard that you are listening, the scene's going along and along and you have something funny and then somebody else says what you were going to say. So now you have to try and come up with something else to replace that. I can imagine, is that a stressful moment? Does that cause a lot of mental anguish when you're in the middle of a scene like that? Or is there enough time to kind of be thinking ahead and going, okay, this person said this, this person said that. So now I have sort of the perfect response to my part of this this comedy scene that we're producing you're kind of you're kind of only listening to the last thing that was said so you're not really backtracking too much into the history of the scene i mean you can you you hold on to the facts of the scene you know you're on a boat there is a shark in the water uh your dog is water skiing whatever it is uh but you are in the moment all the time one thing you said i want to just correct you said are you always thinking three steps ahead no you can't even think one step ahead you i start thinking what to do after i hear what colin says it's almost like zero to 60 react it's uh as a kid you ever play the card game slapjack oh yeah where you both oh, yeah. sit there and, and you're waiting for the jack and and you can't you know you're not thinking i'm gonna i'm going to slap the third card turn you can't you're always waiting is it a jack slap is it not no You know, that's kind of how you live in the moment in improv. The cool thing is that's really fun. And those of us who do it and are good at it, enjoy that. That's not a stressful place to be, to be in the not knowing. Because it's like we've lived there so long. Kind of like how, you know, how emergency room nurses and doctors, like it's their favorite part of their medical career. As they get older, they might sort of slow down and go to a different part of the hospital but it is it's the excitement it's they thrive in what everyone else does not ever want to be in that room ever in a million years and they're handling chaos and crisis all the time and it's certain stress but it's the adrenaline and the passion for what they do and healing people 
that keeps them doing it. And so it's kind of like that with improv. It's if, if that gives you anxiety, you should do some other form of performing because you have to live in that anxiety. I can't walk in there with sort of a, a satchel full of plot points that I whip out in certain <laughs> occasions based on what's going on around me. You, you don't, you can't, you literally have to, my brain is always just going, what just happened? What would be funny now? But it's happening in a microsecond inside my brain because I don't have time to stand there not speaking. Wow. And, and 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 I can't build a sand, I can't start to build a sandcastle and say, this is where the turret is because Colin could say something that completely negates that. And now we're not building a sandcastle. We are crafting a pinata and tying it to a palm tree. You know, you can't fall in love with the idea that you're starting to build based on what you're saying if the person that you're on scene with uh, is taking it in a drastically different direction or just by the nature of what they just said negates the reality that you were walking toward. You know, I mean, if he jokingly says, we can't do that, we're paramedics, you know, (laughs) if I say, hey, hey, Gary, you want to go into the bar and get some uh, shooters? If he says, well, we can't do that. We're paramedics on duty. I go, oh, you're absolutely right. You know, well, how about a quick sip from my flask? And then our scene is about, you know, our scene is about being paramedics. And for a moment, I was the first line of the scene. I was maybe taking this to two guys, you know, at Mardi Gras. You know, I can't go, God damn, I want to drag this scene back to the Mardi Gras idea that I was having. It's 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 really sort of, it's it's fun, but it's hard because most people, get good at what they do by repetition. And this is the one thing you get good at by doing it over and over again, but you're never doing it the same way. You're never telling this same story. Hopefully you're not just falling in love with a a character that you've done your whole life in improv that you always bring into every show, whether it's needed or not. The big crabby guy or what, you know. Um, And uh, certainly don't do jokes that you have pre-planned. I mean, that's that's kind of like, like if you're gonna do it, do it. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna knit knit, don't uh, crochet. It's <laughs> I like two that. different. Th- it's two it's two different things, you know. Yeah, hey, my yeah. sweater is my sweater. The front of my sweater is knitted, but the sleeves are crocheted. Why is that? You know, <laughs> like no, do it, do it for real. Say you know, or just be in a sketch group, write funny sketches. That yeah, no, I like that. That could be a good title for our episode. If you're going to knit, knit. If you're going to crochet, crochet, but don't do both. Because <laughs> I think the whole yeah. idea of what you do is just fascinating to me because the way that you're able to think on your feet and move so quickly. I want to ask you about this. I asked the other guys, and I would love to hear your opinion about Hoedown on Whose Line, one of the most interesting and fascinating things that you guys do. It's not just improv, but it's improv with music. You all have to sing this, sing that. How do you approach that? Because I find that one, I would think to me, at least from my amateur perspective to be probably more challenging than the others or are they the same for you? Well, I mean, Hoedown, we all say that that's like our least favorite game and that there's a certain truth to that. And it's not because it's difficult, it's just because it's sort of it's the, the game that everyone on the show has done the most times of every other game. And we sort of end the show with it. I hate it for a different reason. I love doing musical improv, so I don't mind having to sing and do rhymes. So some of the guys who aren't super big fans of doing music improv kind of dislike it because of the stress of that. 
but most of them are good at it doesn't really matter because they've been doing it for so long so let's just throw that part out the reason i hate it is generally i'm somewhere in the back of the line and you know when you're coming up with if the topic is plumber there's like a couple really funny rhymes for plumber plumber songs and one of them is plumber's crack one of them is ass uh you know there's probably like three or four so if you've got three guys going before you chances are they're each doing two rhymes six rhymes they're gonna steal the best funny rhymes before you even get a chance to sing so not only am i having to come up with if i'm in last place two rhymes that they haven't used if the one of the two of them that I'm going to use in my brain that I've quickly written this while I'm listening to them. If they use that, then it's like, oh crap, now I only have one pair of lines. Now I gotta scrap the one that was about the word ass and come up with something. So so it's it's like, you know, crumple the paper, throw out the trash in real live time in front of a camera while uh, the other guy is about to start singing. I'm like, is he gonna steal my, my good rhyme? Shoot, I have no rhymes. We actually had a, sh- a show like, last season where I was in last place and Ryan uh, stole my rhymes. And then we did a reshoot uh, because I don't remember what it was. Uh, so we tried it again, but he went again as well. It was, it was something about astronaut. And so I had a, like a Uranus rhyme and then an <laughs> asteroid and then re, an, a re-entry joke. Oh, but he man. kept like, he was, he kept re-singing his to come up with a better one for himself because he didn't like them. And he kept stealing my rhymes oh, as man. we went along. Not, not knowing it was just coincidence. <laughs> and like I said, there's like a finite bucket of semi-funny, slightly dirty sounding jokes that you can write about any topic. And he kept plucking them out of the ground right before I was about to sing. Yeah, that's that's classic. So when you're not performing and you're not doing stand-up or improv, sorry, uh, and that sort of thing, are you a naturally funny person just in everyday life? Are you doing bits with your wife trying to work things out? Or are you one of those types that are just kind of low-key and, and sort of drawn back when you're not on, so to speak? Yeah, I... I... I'll have a little burst now and again, just being silly. I'll walk in and do a dance or something to try and make my wife laugh, you know? And at this point, getting my wife to roll her eyes, I count that as a laugh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about everybody else in the world, uh, but that to me is a laugh. My brain never stops sort of thinking funny, but I, I in my p- personal life out in the world, I'm not always on. Most people think I'm, most of our mutual friends, my wife's and mine, uh, think I'm kind of, shy to the point of does he not like us like because i'm <laughs> i'm not anything like i am on the show so if they're not seeing the smart ass guy who's who will do anything for a laugh when they're you know hanging out with me in person they think oh god he's he can't he must hate us because he's not being the personable guy that we know on the show but it's just that i don't feel the need to be like i'm going to make you all laugh all night long if we go to dinner with people I'm hilarious because I mostly just listen to everything that's going on. And from time to time, because I'm an improviser, I'll just throw out a line based on what's going on, you know, an observation when they're telling a story. I'll say, well, and you should have done this as a joke. Like this would have all been fine if you had a pet crocodile. You know, that's a bizarre one, (laughs) but but it makes sense to what's going on. (laughs) and It busts up the crowd of people that we would be hypothetically eating with that we haven't since February. 
so that's kind of how I do it. I'm not, you know, I, when I was younger, I think as I've get, aged and had a, a nice outlet for the last 20 years or more really, but just almost 20 years with Colin doing our two-man show, having that outlet, I don't feel the need to just constantly use my superhero power at all times. It's like, now I save it till the bat light comes on, gotcha. uh, you know, and uh, go <laughs> race to Des Moines, Iowa and make them laugh, you know? So it's, it's more like that. You know, I don't, I don't need validation. Like when I was a young actor in Los Angeles in my twenties, I was doing shows everywhere and every moment I was out hanging out with people. I was, you know, very boisterous and trying to make people laugh and, using my charm like a paintball gun. <laughs> That's uh, funny that you say that because I don't want to mention this person's name, but I have the privilege of doing an interview before when we could do things live. That comedian and his team invited me to go out to dinner. This was in Sacramento at the Punchline Comedy Club. And I, I think this person is amazing, but I kind of felt like while we were at dinner that what you're describing, like always working on bits, but I guess that's kind of how that mindset works where you're always just mm -hmm. thinking funny, right? Because like, that's who you are as an individual, even mm -hmm. though as your superpower, I love that you kind of use it when necessary, even as, this, as we're talking, I get glimpses of it, but you know, I think there's, and this is great for our audience. There's a lot more to you than just, you know, somebody who's on, all the time. I could imagine that would have to be exhausting to a point, you know, because you're a human being, a being, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you have yeah. a human side, you have a, a family, a wife and friends. And so, you know, but mm -hmm. I get it. It makes perfect sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, as far as that whole perspective. Yeah. And luckily my personality is not like expected to be Richard Simmons, you know, Rip <laughs> Taylor, uh, Rip like, Taylor. I love the reference, you know, uh like that kind of on you know so that's good I'm, <laughs> all i'm thinking about is who this person was that was trying to do bits who who would who would invite you to dinner and then do their bits on you so that's well, i'll tell out. you when we're done recording if you want to know <laughs> it was just i okay. could tell that they i i know like when comedians carrot do, top no um tom that's, arnold that's funny tom arnold when <laughs> tom arnold <laughs> That's that is oh man, now we're like throwing some deep cuts, my friend Carrot Top, Tom Arnold. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of people like who would be shameless about doing it, and I'm not saying shameless in a judgmental way because if you've ever seen me on Whose Line, shamelessness is basically my bread and butter. So, yeah, I mean, it uh, built that beautiful, uh, gold gilded background <laughs> that you're in front of. Uh, this is my tub, everybody. Your hot tub, your, your cold bathtub. No, it's funny. Um, it's just, I find it all so fascinating. I really do. And that, I think that's in part why I love talking to people, celebrities, comedians like yourself, because it's just something that is a world that I don't get to be a part of necessarily other than this outlet of an interview to kind of just get nuggets of everything Looking back on, on your career and just everything you've done, would there be anything that you would have done differently or maybe some advice that you wish somebody would have given you to kind of change how things have worked out for you? Or do you kind of feel like everything has happened the way that it's supposed to and that you wouldn't change anything at all? I'm a very uh, emotional and sort of passionate person. So sometimes I care too much. Uh, so I think sometimes that has 
uh, shot me in the foot just because uh, I think most people like to be a little more measured than than me. Uh, so I, I, I think when I was younger, I think I might have been a little too much for some people. Uh, I might have invited you out to dinner and tried to do bits. Uh, but uh, <laughs> That's funny. I, I, I don't do that now. Uh, Brian Regan. No, no. Okay. Okay. I'll tell you uh, who it was. It, this guy's great. And he's the absolute best. Doug Benson. He was funny. But, oh God. Yeah. He's hilarious. Yeah. And it, nothing negative about him at all, but I, this type of person who, you know, is just always, the brain is always going. It just, to me, mm-hmm. I don't know how, like, it's just, you have to constantly, he's like, I'm always writing, you know, I'm always thinking about, cause his type of comedy is sort of, a hybrid between observational and point of view and it's a little bit of just sort of like he's kind of known for his tweets reading tweets on stage he doesn't do crowd work and so he's Mm -hmm. reading tweets and so he's at dinner reading tweets and kind of just commenting on what people had about a show i sorry i took away from your answer but but no no i've yeah, no, no. I, I, he not only is he he great. Uh, he probably didn't know he was doing bits because he was so stoned. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I would say this though. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite things about being an improviser is uh, whether I choose to turn it off or not. Like when I'm screwing around with my friends or with my wife, I can turn it off. It's hard for stand-ups to turn it off, not because uh, they're like egomaniacs who need to be on all the time. No because it's almost like a shark they need to be moving at all times to process the information of the world because if they tune out they might miss some big news story uh that is 15 minutes of material they might miss something that some celebrity did that is half of their act you know and they're like so they're they're constantly foraging you know they're like they're like squirrels that they've got to find where the nuts are uh before the frost and uh, <laughs> they need enough to survive the winter i'm kind of like i'm like bear grills it's like don't worry i will i will survive the winter because i know how to turn a tree into a kayak uh i can build a fire and a shelter out of these fern nettles so i don't have that same anxiety of of is some awesome thing for my act going to slip away from me? No, I just, when I'm off the clock, I can completely not think about anything that's going on in the world if I don't want to. Yeah. Because I'm, don't, I'm just using my martial art. Right, like, right. And you don't have to worry about too creation of premises, so to speak. And is mm-hmm. somebody going to do the same joke that you're going to do? Or, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like I was talking to Brad Williams and he was telling me he had written this joke and he was performing it and Joe Coy was going on before him and Joe Coy did exact the exact same joke without knowing that Brad was going to do it. Right. Brad goes up to him after the show and said, I just so you know, I've done the same kind of joke. I've done it a few times. He's like, and Joe Coy's like, okay, cool. Well, just so you know, I'm doing this joke on Jimmy Kimmel tomorrow night. And he was like, okay, mm. cool. It's your joke. You know, it's your joke. And he conceded, yeah. which I don't know that that happens a lot, you know, in that particular world. So 
to kind of sum uh, it, it all up, it's it's it really not, challenging. It not only does it it not only does it happen, but usually it happens without that very polite conversation uh, being <laughs> exactly. the being the exchange. Literally, you did it just now, and I'm going to tell you that I have done this and do do it. And then you then politely go, well, tomorrow it's going to be on TV, and then I own this joke in perpetuity as first person <laughs> to take it to air. You know, normally it's a big act sees a little act at the club, likes the joke, and then that the little joke? guy <laughs> sees that joke in his next comedy special or hears from another comic that opened for him down the road that he's worked with that he's doing your joke. Like, that's usually how it is. It's like, yeah, the, the, the big shark sees you feeding on a delicious morsel, knocks you out of the way, makes that his own. So that's something that's I definitely don't have to worry about. And no, oh God. Yeah. I mean, if somebody does improv like you do and you see it at Second City or Groundlings or, you know, you pick whichever one, it's like, well, there's so many ideas out there. But I think with what you guys do, you can always make it different. The stream of consciousness scared scriptless. I think, you know, you guys were the first to do it. And a lot of other people now are doing similar types of improv. I mean, there's just a list of people who are kind of doing similar things. Stand up has now moved the way to Zoom shows. I mean, it's just, and it's great because we can't go and do anything right now. Yeah. And uh, I I appreciate your time. Um, one last thing, if anybody was looking to kind of do what you do or sort of dip their toes, what advice would you give to someone listening who who might be interested in in this type of work, so to speak. To become good at improv, you just have to do it, do it, do it, do it. It's like, you wanna be a great guitarist, then you gotta join a band and you gotta be in 20 bands and you gotta gig all the time. And it's the same with improv. You gotta get in a group and then you gotta move to another group and and do shows. Um, I've, I've joked that I've been performing professionally for 30 years and in the 10 years before that when I was just doing shows for free all around Los Angeles with so many different groups I still have done more free shows than I've done professional shows so uh, you know and, and I've done thousands of professional shows <laughs> but you gotta love it you got you can't look at improv as your ticket to a professional career as an improviser. You can look at it as a skill set that will serve you well in all aspects of your life. If you want to be an actor, there's a lot of great actors who have become super successful because they have improv background and chops. Like Steve Carell is a perfect example. You know, he was a Second City guy. Uh, he's an improviser. He and I did a, a sketch, a Second City sketch show back in the day, uh, a pilot. That was before he did the Dana Carvey Taco Bell sketch show too <laughs> and uh so you know having that skill set all the people that were on the american version of the office one thing they almost all had in common is they had legit improv chops from having been in the groundlings second city uh upright citizens brigade uh theater sports what are the other ones impro uh you know so that it's it's a great if you want to be in comedy television or film uh, it's a great skill set to have. Directors and writers love it because they write a great scene and then you can give them an alternate little ending nugget. I mean, how many, how many nuggets on shows like Office and Parks and Rec where they're talking and they're doing the little, you know, the little video straight to camera. How many of those ended with a button that one of those actors 
threw in at the last moment after they had finished saying their actual lines, probably over half, maybe three quarters of those ended 100%. with a made up nugget. And so directors want to work with people that can give them every time they shoot it, kind of do that take a little differently, not just the timing of it, but actually say something completely different. And they end up taking the third one or the fourth one, which was so such a blown out jokey, the joke version of the first one that they did that, you know, they got to the, here was silly, ridiculous, completely bizarre, silly, ridiculous and bizarre. Like the, the fourth take or whatever was kind of a combo of all those things. And if you're not an improviser, you're just a line by line practice type actor. You're not going to have that tool that directors and producers love. Yeah. And if you look at those talking heads, especially in the office, the especially the bloopers and all of that, YouTube, whatever, you can see them doing that. Dun, da, 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 rat -a -tat -tat. And then the crew and the cast just break up because I've seen interviews and stories where it's just one slight little thing that that person might do that just causes the roof to cave in. And, you know, it's amazing. And you're like, wow, that's, you know, Emmy award-winning quality humor because they're just doing yeah. these things. Yeah. And I think that's what makes what you and Colin and everybody else that's been a part of the Who's Line family um, so successful. And it's just, it's gone on forever and it's changed hands as far as hosts, but still it's just funny. And um, again, you know, we've been trying to, to work on this interview for a while and, and I've been just watching reruns of your shows. And even when you were on, I think it was Penn and Teller Fool Us. I mean, we got a little bit of just of that Brad Sherwood that we all are familiar with. If, if people want to connect with you, and of course, I recommend doing Stream of Consciousness, the Scared Scriptless shows. They'll put the links of that in our show notes. This will be um, our New Year's Eve episode. So this will come out just the day before so you can get the tickets for that. But if they want to just kind of learn more about you and connect with you on social media, uh, how can they do so, Brad? Well, they can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I must say I don't do a lot of Instagram, but I'm on Twitter a lot. Uh, my Twitter is at the Brad Sherwood. I must warn you, if you're super crazy Trumper conservative, you may not like a lot of my observations <laughs> on Twitter. So I'll just save you the journey. But if you're That's a normal, uh, like middle of the road or slightly liberal or self-aware conservative that thinks that making fun of like your president is something that Johnny Carson did for decades. So like get over yourself, then, then you'll enjoy my observations. And sometimes they're not political but they have been this year because it's politically charged and it's a life and death situation. Uh, so that's, yeah, those, those, those are the places to check me out. And passportshows.com is uh, the website. I don't know if you said that, but it's a great place to check out when our next shows are. I know we have one, a really fun one uh, coming up this Thursday night, whatever New Year's Eve is. We're, we're the, the show is at uh, 9 p.m. Uh, no, no. The show's at 5 p.m. my time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. But we are going to do a live countdown uh, at the top of the hour, which would be 9 p.m. Eastern, for uh, a little country uh, called Southern Georgia, which is out in the South Pacific, which is the only place with humans in the time zone that would count down 
basically at uh, at that time. Wow. So so basically at, at eight at at nine p.m. The only place where it's midnight at, at nine p.m. Eastern time is this remote little island, literally out in the uh, South Atlantic Sea. So we're gonna have a big festival. Uh, there's a town there called Great Viking. You know, it's gonna it's it's gonna be off the chain. We're gonna be the only people celebrating New Year's at that time. So if people want to come see the show. There you have it, Brad. Thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. It was great to talk to you. I'm going to invite you to dinner so we can do some bits. (laughs) Thank you. That brings today's episode to an end. Thanks for choosing to stop by and listen. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend and hitting the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.